0: Glad to have you here, Uh, glad to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I am looking forward to Kel uh, next week, but you're stuck with me today. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here and just thrilled to dive into God's word with you. Today we're continuing our series on Jeremiah, which we started last week. And if you missed last week, last week kind of laid the foundation for our series and talked a lot about the background of the book and stuff like that. So it would be a worthwhile listen to go back and catch that if you didn't get to. One of the things we talked about last week is about four main themes in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, The four main themes uh, right here on your screen are also on... Uh, the logo for the series and their lament, faithfulness, judgment, and hope. And all four of these themes are throughout the book of Jeremiah. And as we go through the series, continuing to come back to these themes, I challenge you to keep your eyes open for them as you're reading the book. Also, be listening to what God has to say to you around any or all of these themes. Maybe God wants you, uh, maybe God wants to teach you to lament more honestly. Maybe he wants you to realize how faithful you've been to him or how unfaithful you've been. Maybe he wants to point out sin in your life that you've been stuffing down for a long time. Or maybe he wants you to point you to hope That is yours, but you've forgotten or set aside. This morning, we're talking about lament. So, it might wind up being a heavier Sunday than normal for some of you. And I pray that as we walk through a heavy topic, that you would be ready to be honest, to be real, to not hold back. I realize that some of you may not be in a place of lament. Things are going well, clipping along. So be honest in that regard as well. Don't force something up that shouldn't be there. But it's still worth it for you to listen and dial in as a difficult time is coming. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If you're not lamenting now, there will come a time for you. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. This is a constant wrestle, a constant fight that happens day after day. If you are walking with Jesus, Satan wants nothing more than for you to fail, than for you to be pulled away from him. And so there is a constant wrestle. And that can bring about lament as well. All that said, this could be a tough Sunday for some of you. Because as we talk about lament, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, that's okay. Um, But as we talk about lament, you may be drawn to start lamenting. And I want to say that is okay. This is a safe place. It's safe because you're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who are for you. But it's also safe because God is here. Remember that time and time again, uh, what he promised to people following him, he promised that he would be with them. We talked about this last week. We are promised this all over in scripture that God is with us. Just like it says in Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a promise that God is with you. So I want to say as we dive into a heavier topic, if you need to lament, do so. But if you don't, don't. All I ask is that you be authentic and be open to what God has to say to you. So, let's talk a little bit about lament. Lament, the definition is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. A passionate expression of grief and sorrow. So, we're not talking about crying in general, though crying is often a part of lament. Lament is more than just crying. But uh, we're also not talking about tears of joy. For that's not a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. That's a passionate expression of joy. So just wanted to make some clarifications there. But I think a a more important question is where lament comes from. Where does lament come from? Lament comes from the fallen state of humanity. Lament comes from the fallen state of humanity. We lament over things in three basic categories. We lament over the sin of others. We lament over our own sin. And we lament over the negative effects of sin in the world. The sin of others, our own sin, and the negative effects of sin in the world. We lament over the sin of others. When people do things to us that are not according to God's law, that that aren't what God wants, that causes us to... To lament. Either something that's directly towards us, that breaks our heart, that hurts us deeply. Or even just watching others that we love dearly go in a direction we don't want them to. That causes us to lament. We lament over our own sin. At least we should, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. And then we also lament over the negative effects of sin in the world. Things like injury, disease, death, natural disasters, a lack of necessities. Even something as simple as moving away, which we lamented over last week as we said goodbye to the Nicholases. It's hard and it falls under the category of the negative effects of sin in the world because if the world was perfect, we would just get to be with everyone we loved and we wouldn't have to say goodbye. We deal with physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain but physical pain can be caused by the sin of others, can be caused by our own sin, can be caused by the negative effects of sin in the world. Emotional pain can be caused by the sin of others, by our own sin, by the negative effects of sin in the world. And spiritual pain can be caused by the sin of others and by our own sin and by the negative effects of sin in the world. Let me take you back to Ephesians 6.12, which we just read We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, etc., etc. The root of our lament is not our physical bodies. It's spiritual. See, Adam and Eve had no need to lament before eating the fruit. The lament didn't start within their physical bodies. But rather it was spiritual. Spiritual. And we also have no need to lament once we get to heaven. God promises us this in Revelation. Revelation seven fifteen to 17 says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then later in Revelation 21 it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that great news? Man, I'm excited for that. One day we're going to be done lamenting. Like we'll just be finished with it. It's all over. And we just get to Celebrate. Mm. So lament comes from the fallen state of humanity. But that doesn't make lament a bad thing. See, we're given plenty of examples in scripture of people lamenting, which we'll get to shortly. But I think the most important thing to realize with this is that our savior who is perfect in every way, lamented. Because he was without sin, he lamented without sin. So lament itself isn't inherently wrong. Matthew 26. In taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Luke 19, which I read this morning. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. In John eleven thirty five, which some of you have committed to memory, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So let's take a look. At Jeremiah's lament. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Go ahead and open in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Because throughout the book of Jeremiah, he laments a lot. We will see other passages about this as we go through the book. But today... We're going to focus on this one in particular, in Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8, starting in verse 18. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold on me. Let me just pause just a minute. As he's talking, as he's saying the daughter of my people, just so you know, that's like a poetic uh, way of just talking about my my people. It's an endearing way. It's like saying my beloved people. And then uh, just going back to verse 19 and 20, there's a conversation happening here. It says, behold, the the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. And now this is the nation of Judah speaking. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? And then here's God's response. Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? And then here's Judah's response. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Again, they're feeling abandoned. And then Jeremiah speaks up again. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? For those of you that like maps, uh, here was the map we looked at last week. Um, And here's where Gilead is. So right, uh, right near Judah, really close by. Is there no balm in Gilead? The answer is yes. Gilead was known for making balm and for having doctors around. Is there no physician there? The answer again is yes. Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah is basically saying everything from the neck up, I'd like that to be water so that I can cry that much. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. See here in verse 2, he's so grieved that he just doesn't want to be around them anymore. I'm so grieved by their choices, their decisions, that I just can't be around them. And verses 2b through 6, uh, we see why he's grieving. He said, for they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother. For every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. They have, all, they have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves, committing iniquity." So right there we see why he's grieving. People are lost. They're lying. They're being unfaithful to God and to each other. Coming back to verses 21 and 22, that that was why Jeremiah was lamenting, but we see the people lamenting here. There's pain in the land, so the people are lamenting too. They feel abandoned by God. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is the king not in her? God, where are you? Why is all this bad stuff happening to us? They feel abandoned. But again, coming back to where lament comes from, Jeremiah's lament came from the fallen state of humanity. Jeremiah lamented over the sin of his people. And the people lamented because they felt abandoned by God, which came from their own sin. So what do we learn from Jeremiah's lament? Well, first we learn that lament should be honest. Back in verse 18, it says, my joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Not really one of those Instagrammable verses you know but with the bible app you can you can make it instagrammable so i did and i posted it and some people liked it and we got some comments i was like cool it was a real interesting experiment that i that i tossed out there but in this verse there's an honesty that is raw and palpable and a bit uncomfortable um Why don't we greet each other this way? Hey, Ben. How's it going? Well, my joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Now, okay. When I worked it in and out, I didn't expect that a lot from customers. See, when we worked it in and out, we were trained like, when someone comes up, don't ask them, hey, what do you want? Just say, we say, hi, how are you? Like we wanted to interact with people and greet them. No one ever said that. Weird, right? <laughs> I, I never expected it. Every now and then, uh, I would get a response similar to this. Very rarely, though. And when I did, it was never this strong. And it was always around issues with their order. Let me tell you why I'm upset. My burger wasn't as cooked as I wanted it to. Or whatever, right? You know, um, whatever it was. But why would someone come up and open up to a complete stranger like that? But how well do we do this at church? How good do we do at being honestly raw with each other? That's an area we can all use some growth in. Our culture fights against this all the time. How's it going? Good. That's the response you're supposed to give. It's good. Also, our desire for privacy fights against this. Well, I'm not going to tell them because then they're going to know more about me and they're going to get into my life. And that's, that's not their business. That's my business. But of all the places in the world where this should be acceptable, it should be the church. Now let me toss out a little caveat. Because there is such a thing as oversharing. And there is something to be said for sharing with the right people. Sharing with people you trust. Men sharing with other men. Women sharing with other women. But my point is that we shouldn't have to put on our brave faces when we come to church. When we come to worship God and to be together with other believers, we should be able to be honest about where we are. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We're working together as the body of Christ. But we can't do that effectively if we don't know how the body is doing. So when we hold back, we're telling others that we can carry this on our own. I got this. I'm not going to open up and tell you what's really going on with me because I'll just take care of it. But that's not how the body was meant to function. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So lament should be honest. Lament also should be open. In verse 1 of chapter 9, we've got quite a picture. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Just picture that. It's not a pretty picture. It's a mess. You know, I don't like the phrase, oh, I'm an ugly crier. Guess what? We're all ugly criers. Okay? Let's just put that out there. The last thing you should be worried about when you start crying is your appearance. Oh, am I crying cutely? Who cares? You're crying. Be real. Now, the idea of lamenting openly is really hard to overcome. Our society tells us we've got to keep composure, keep it together. Laura and I were watching a a TV show this week and one of the characters said, I try to stay positive. It's like this black cloud follows me around and every time I get away from it, it catches up to me. I'm so tired of smiling and pretending it's sunny out. As this character said that, I said, well then stop. Stop pretending. Let it out there's a reason I picked a picture of a child crying. Because children haven't yet been taught the social expectations of lament. You know, there's a place and a time for crying and, you know, you really got to keep it together. And, you know, they, they haven't been taught that. And that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Now... I gotta be honest, I've failed my kids at this. I've contributed to that. No, 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 it's okay, stop crying. And I've realized, like, as I've thought about it, like, I'm teaching them something that they shouldn't be learning. I want them to be okay to come to mom and to dad and just openly weep. I love how my daughter does this. The tiniest little prick of a finger And it's like the world is falling apart. But she comes with this raw openness to us. And my favorite is watching her respond when she's asking for forgiveness. Because every time she does, she says, Dad, I'm sorry for whatever. And then she goes, can you please forgive me? And she starts bubbling up and weeping. Because she realizes there's something wrong in the relationship, and for her, that's what she wants repaired. And far be it from me to say, You don't need to cry. No. I want her to be open with her lament because she feels the weight of it. See, kids aren't worried about what others think, they're just able to lament openly. And we have a lot to learn from them. So right now, uh, we're going to give you some time to be honest with God. To allow yourself to lament should you need to. The book of Psalms is filled with laments. About a quarter to a third are, are, are Psalms of Lament. They're there for us to identify with the pain of the author and to watch what he does with that pain. And almost all of them end up with praise. We're going to get to this in just a little bit. But here's what's going to happen right now. Maybe you've been lamenting quietly and you need to get it out before God or with someone else. That can be lament over your sin. That can be lament over someone else's sin. That can be lament over the negative effects of sin in the world. Maybe you're not in that place, but you know someone who is and you want to pray for them. Maybe you're not sure where you're at or what state you're in right now. Let me give some clear instructions. First, it's okay to be loud if you need to. Remember, this is a safe place. This is a safe place Because God is here. The band's gonna come up and play a song right now. You can sit and pray, letting the lyrics guide your prayer or speak to you. Or you can sing along, making this a prayer to God. There are also some psalms of lament on your handout. You can read a few of these, entering in to the lament of the author. Maybe you'll connect with one of these. Let me challenge you. Don't analyze these Psalms. Don't analyze them. Just connect with the author. You could get up right now and talk to someone if you need to. Bringing them in to your lament. We need each other. There's going to be uh, some men and women uh, just looking around and available to talk with you if you're not sure who to approach. Listen to what God has to say to you right now. And if you haven't taken time to lament over your own sin, if you have some sins you've brushed under the table and quickly claimed God's forgiveness without grieving over what those sins cost, I would encourage you to go down that path. Focus on Psalm 38 and Psalm 51. Again, just a reminder to be authentic. To be honest before God. God, as we just take a couple minutes right now to be honest before you, God, help us to be real. Help us to not feel like we have to hold it in, but God, just to let out our lament. You can handle it. You want to hear from us. God, there are others around in this room that have walked through some of the same challenges that we're walking through. There are others who love us unconditionally. Just want to be here with us. Uh, God, just uh, allow us to be real right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 51 is David's response to him just blowing it. He sees a beautiful woman who's married. He invites her over. They sleep together. He gets her pregnant. He tries to cover up his sin by bringing her husband back from war. Her husband refuses to sleep with her because all of my brothers are out at war. Like, why would I go and sleep with my wife? And so David tells the general to send this guy Uriah to the front line so that he dies. Sin upon sin upon sin. And then he's confronted by Nathan the prophet. And Nathan, through his story, points out what David has done. And David realizes the weight of his sin. We have here preserved his reaction. Now there's a lot here, but I want you to just absorb If that means closing your eyes or thinking about your own sin, do it. Don't analyze, connect. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And jumping down to verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. See, this is worship. Worship. This is bringing God the glory he deserves. David made his confession all about God and not about him. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. When we lament over our sin, We are acknowledging our place and God's place. We are putting Him on the throne, recognizing that His ways are better than our ways. And we need to follow after Him. This is worship. Here's a challenge for you that isn't on your sheet. So I'd encourage you to write it down Lament over your sin. Lament over your sin. Take time this week to lament over what is separating you from God. Sit in it and realize how you have broken God's heart. Read over Psalm 51 and Psalm 38 to put your mind in the right place. You may want to bring someone else in on this. Um, Confessing your sin to them. That makes it more real, but also shows how serious you are about it. So lament over your sin, then rest in the grace of God's forgiveness. Rest in his promises. Psalm 32, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. So that's lament over your own sin as worship. Now let's look at lamenting over the negative effects of sin in the world and how that can also be worship. Flip over to Job chapter 1. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. There's loads of stuff here. But again, don't analyze, connect. Job 1, starting in verse 13. Now there was a day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans felled upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, he wasn't even done yet, he was still going. There came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, he wasn't even done yet. There came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you, while he was yet speaking, he wasn't even done yet. There came another and said, Your sons and daughters, were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Job, how... He dealt with all of that coming all at once. Well, look at what happens. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. He worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When Job was out of options, when everything crashed around him, he saw no other option but to worship his Lord, see when life falls apart around you, when sin's negative effects show up at your front door, you're either going to run to God or you're going to run away from him. Now, you may run to God with open arms or with closed fists ready to fight, but you're still running to him. And God can handle that. There's this book I read. It's in your uh, bulletin as a recommended resource uh, called A Sacred Sorrow. Here's just a couple of quotes from it. He says, we see in Job one of the most fundamental lessons we will learn from lament. That the act of lamenting Protesting and even accusing God through the prayer of protest is still an act of faith. Far from denying the existence of God, the lament of faith cries out on the basis of an appeal to the living God's loving kindness, in spite of the fact that the present conditions would suggest otherwise. And then he also says prayers of complaint can still be prayers of faith they represent the last refusal to let go of the God who may seem to be absent or worse, uncaring. See, Job didn't give up on God. He kept the lines of communication open. They weren't always beautiful, but they were always open. In fact, that's what we see with lament in Scripture. Over and over and over. In the Psalms of lament, there's open communication with the author of the Psalm and their Savior. With Job, we see open communication as he goes through and he talks to his friends, as he goes through and he talks with God. We see in Jeremiah... Open communication as he laments to God. And in Jesus, as he laments, he does it with open communication with his Father. See, knowing that God is there and coming to him when all is lost, that is worship. It's giving God the glory he deserves by showing your utter dependence on him. We're going to have the band come up and we're going to end our morning continuing to praise our Savior. Just focusing on one last song. Saying, when hope is lost, I call you Savior. And as you sit, may any lament that you bring before God be worship. May you refuse to let go of God, regardless of how you may feel. On the back of your sheet, there's a few psalms of praise. If you're still lamenting over sin, claim the truths of Psalm 32. But let me just read a couple verses from one of those. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's continue to worship.